I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. Mars Williams is one of those rare musicians who successfully approaches music as a continuum rather than as a series of discrete genres. His spectrum extends from well-known 80s band The Waitresses to Chicago's Liquid Soul to the Peter Brotzman Tentet. Savvy listeners may recognize Mars as the saxophonist with the psychedelic furs, beginning with their 1984 release Mirror Moves. One of the cornerstones of the Chicago improvised music scene, he brings one of his newest groups to the Garver patio on July 9th in a performance presented by Bluestem Jazz. Mars, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's a real pleasure to, to have you with us. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit more about the project you're bringing to Madison in July. Okay. Um, it's a relatively new project. We've only played, um, we've gotten together one time. Um, the group consists of Tyler Damon on drums, um, Steve Marquette on guitar, and Brian Sandstrom, who I played with for, God, since uh, 1990, something like that. Uh, he was an NRG ensemble with me and plays on Christmas stuff with me and, and extraordinary popular delusions with me. So we have a long history. Um, but the idea of the group, I wanted to, when I originally put this grouping together of musicians, it was specifically for the type of sound I was looking for. And uh, I'm... <laughs> What I originally thought of was like kind of like the old New York downtown no wave scene, almost that kind of energy and noise, um, you know, Massacre, uh, Laswell Fred Fritz Massacre, who I had the pleasure of actually playing with before. Um, and, you know, Zorn's Painkiller, things like like that Bron Glenn Bronca back from the late 70s, uh, DNA. So I wanted that kind of electric sort of energy and sound. Um, so in other words, I wanted it to maybe sometimes go into like some weird kind of grooves with, uh, but also with a lot of electronics and noise and uh, atmospheric stuff going on. It's, it's hard to explain the sound that I want, but you'll hear it if you come to the show. Um, and originally, I was going to write some, uh, some grooves or some, you know, bass lines or um, little reference points. And the idea was that we would have these places that we could go to and in between, like if you can visualize a map with uh, uh, point A, point B would be just different themes. And then in between would be the improvisations. Um, as I was talking to everybody and I explained where I wanted to go with this and because of the pandemic originally, we couldn't really get together to rehearse or anything. So when we got together to play, I said a couple of days before I said, you know what, let's just see what happens if we just all go in improvising. Um, and it came out great because people were, we had a concept and that's about it. And because of the experience that 
all the musicians have and what they can bring to the table. Um, you know, they're all experienced improvisers. Uh, Brian Sandstrom was the wild card because he plays bass, acoustic bass, electric bass, plays incredible guitar, noise guitar, um, and, uh, and trumpet. So he was kind of the wild card where it could bring things into different, into different places. Um, I don't know, it's hard to describe a sound of what, what the, the band is, but, uh, but if you can kind of visualize this um, orally, that's kind of what I'm looking for with the group. And that's what, that's what we actually have accomplished in the one-time performance that we did. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's opened its doors now. I mean, because of the first gig and, be, and I felt it was very successful. And actually a lot of the people that saw the show really liked it and the band really liked it. And it leaves so much room for growth and experimentation, which is what I, I wanted to do with this group. Um, yeah, I think that uh, it, it's something I really want to explore more and I want to keep this group together and see where it can go. Your career is storied, eclectic, prolific, um, and spans so much music. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering about what um, you as a player, your approach, maybe you as a person, what makes it possible for you to work and to have worked and to continue to work in so many varied environments? Um. I think that uh, all those genres define me and what I've, it's, it's sort of the musics that I really enjoy and the musics I, I had listened to and um, I've always had interest in. And um, my style or my sound has, is, kind of made up of those influences. And it makes, it's not like I'm doing, I, I just like to explore different avenues of music and bring my voice into that. So those styles are influencing me and then I'm taking something maybe from something else that adds to that and I can bring that into those styles. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just, I love playing all those different kinds of music. It's, you know, I've, I grew up, uh, got my first bands, I think, well, going from being a classical musician to being my first bands right out of high school were, or actually senior year of high school was like a funk uh, R&B group with actually some of the guys from Earth, Wind and Fire were actually in my band. My first band, which is pretty amazing. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I went to New York and, and I, I loved playing in rock bands and I grew up, my sisters and my brothers, I grew up in a family that was, you know, my dad was into big band jazz and I'd hear all that stuff going in Dixieland. And my sisters were into like the Beatles and Rolling Stones and uh, some other weird stuff like the like bread or something like that or 
Uh, my brother was listening to Cream and and Jimi Hendrix and uh, and Pink Floyd. And so I grew up with all these things and I just loved playing all that music. And I always wanted to play everything. I know it sounds weird, but I love playing everything. I love music. That's all it is. So I don't look at it as... Uh, as something strange or different, because mm -hmm. that's just what I am, you know? Um, I know that some people say, oh, you know, how can you do all this? You gotta focus, you gotta focus on one thing. And I'm like, well, why? You know, it's, it's so limiting. You know, when I can have all these different avenues to explore and then bring that, those styles into, it's, it's like having a, like, like a painter with, with more colors to paint with. You know, he can, or a bigger canvas that he can put those colors on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it. It may seem routine to you, but it's. I think it's quite rare to find musicians who can, you you know, who can cover that kind of uh, spectrum. I mean, I think yeah. of like Nels Klein maybe as someone who does that. But yeah, very well. Be, beyond that, I am sort of like puzzled to think of other musicians who actually have achieved you know, that level of playing across the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I can't really think of too many. <laughs> um, you know, you, you look at, well, guys like, uh, uh, you know, like Sonic Youth or something. You know, they mm -hmm. all branched out. They were experimenting with rock. You know, they were playing rock music. But I mean, their first early stuff in early New York days were, or I mean, early what late set when were they early 80s they started but they were playing this kind of noisy rock kind of stuff and then they went off some of them and did uh you know free improvisation um but then yeah i i i, I just uh you know and i love world music too so i, I like to bring some of that into the, the spectrum mm -hmm. and that's kind of what i like about this this group that i'm bringing to madison because Brian Sandstrom has has the same kind of uh, um, ideas as I do as far as an appreciation for different styles of music. And, you know, he's played some in rock stuff and um, he's a real, he's fantastic straight ahead player. I mean, incredible swing player. And then all the times, uh, all the, the, work with NRG Ensemble with Hal Russell back then. And I mean, Hal Russell was like that too. Hal Russell was very open to different styles of music and bringing them into um, the writing process and of, of the music, but it's still focused more on free improvisation, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of too many either. So you went, you ended up in New York, sort of mm -hmm. in the 80s, right? And um, do you feel like joining the waitresses was sort of the catapult that got you into that sort of fertile 80s scene with that long list of 80s rock bands and, you know, including the psychedelic furs? And how did you get the gig with the waitresses? And was it that sort of catapult? Um, it's an interesting story because it's, it's sort of like a, a crossroads, actually, in my career. Um, but uh, I'll try to make it short, but you know, I, I had moved to New York and I was playing with 
Um, you know, I was seeing, you know, that's when the downtown scene was happening with Zorn at uh, Roulette and he was doing all those game pieces and, and material and Fred Frith and uh, Elliot Sharp. And uh, it was just such a fantastic scene, Mark Kramer. Um, so I was sort of, in, I was involved in that scene, but I had come from Creative Music Studio. I don't know if you're aware of that place, but it was, uh, it was a, a school for lack of better term in Woodstock, New York, right, where I state. studied. And it was started by Don Terry and Carl Berger and Ornette Coleman. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I'm explaining all this is, is sort of how I came into this, this New York pattern. So you'll have to edit a lot of this. Uh, but by being there, um, I was, you know, the scene around, around creating music studio, besides, you know, studying with, with Braxton and, you know, Leroy Jenkins and uh, Roscoe and Don Cherry and, and all these guys, um, Lee Konitz. And I mean, it was Jimmy Jufri. It was, it was an incredible place. And besides that, hanging out there on weekends, all the guys like New York was a very vibrant um, town. Or Woodstock was a very vibrant town as far as where musicians live, like Julius Hempel, Carla Blay. Um, and uh, through that, the reason I brought Carla Blay, so I moved to New York. I'm a bike messenger. I'm doing whatever, taking whatever gigs I can do. I was in a Playboy Club band in Manhattan, you know, with Steve Swell was actually in that band with me. One day, I get a call from uh, Michael Mantler. Carla Blaze group. And he's like, hey, you know, we, we've heard you're playing at, uh, up in Woodstock. And, um, and we really enjoyed group, uh, you're playing a lot. And we think you'd be really good with Carla's band. And um, we need our, our tenor player is leaving. So we need to find a new tenor player. And they said, this call is mainly to see if you're available and interested. And I'm like, of course I am, you know, <laughs> playing with Carla Blay group would be a, a dream. Yeah. So, um, so then I, I got off the phone and maybe 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I get a call from Chris Butler from the waitresses. And he's like, yeah, we're, um, I'm, I'm starting this group called the waitresses and uh, Patty uh, and I are moving from Akron to New York, and uh, we have a record deal with um, Z Records, and we want to record an album, and uh, would you be interested in being a waitress, in the waitresses? And I was like, well, I just got a call from Michael Mantler, and uh, he's going to, you know, for Carla's group, and... If that happens, I'm going to go with Carla. But if that doesn't happen, I'd be, it would be great to join your group. And he goes, okay, well, just, you know, let me know, you know, in the next day or so. Mm -hmm. So next day, um, uh, Michael Mandler calls me and he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, we're sorry, but we're going to go with the guy that was the sub that we've been using for all these years, but we didn't think he was going to be available. So 
you know, we just we we just want to make sure that you were available and interested, but we have to go with this guy. You were kind of the backup, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I ended up being the waitress. So it's who knows what would have happened if I would have ended up being in the Carla Clay group. You know, my career could have been a completely different thing, and I'm sure it would have been. Right. Um, Or or if the waitress had said, okay, we'll call the next guy, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And and actually, um, I mean, the waitresses was it, it was my first experience being in that, that was the first recording experience, like major recording experience um, with, a, with a label and seeing success playing for bigger audiences. And even though we were, you know, we were like in vans, driving, sharing hotel rooms, sleeping at people's houses, you know, it started, it was the early days of the waitresses, you Mm -hmm. know, but we built it up and we had the hit and, and um, I started getting this taste of, you know, the rock and roll world. And, uh, and then through that, yes, you're, you're right. That's kind of, I met uh, the guys in the furs, um, you know, hanging around with, uh, you know, Iggy Pop and, um, and Bowie hanging out at the Furs gigs. And uh, I mean, it was a whole different world, you know? It was, um, and I really enjoyed playing in rock bands like that. And that, especially the music that was happening then, because I was able to bring my voice into that. Mm-hmm. I was asked to play in these groups because they wanted what I did and who I was. It wasn't like they want, they wanted a saxophone. They wanted me, which I'm not saying this from an egotistical point of view, but it's just the way it was, you know? So for me, it was great because I was able to bring this weird side of me and all the other different um genres of music that I like that we were just talking about, you know, and, and at the time, New York, the scene, there was so many different eclectic types of music going on at the time, and a lot of cross collaborations. So you'd start hearing, you know, screaming saxophones in, in punk music, you know, in, in rock music, like, you know, James Chance or something, you know, and, um, and John Lurie and, uh, and then you have the jazz end, like Ornette started doing this more electric kind of stuff, you know, and, and taking off from where Miles started experimenting with the electric bands. And, but it was a whole different sound in New York at that time. And, uh, you know, everybody was hanging out with each other and playing with each other. So, you know, Don Cherry would be at, at, at punk shows, listening to punk shows, you know, and, and playing with them and you know we'll be hanging out in a in a bar one night and you know with joey ramone and you know some of the guys from billy's band or johnny thunders and next thing you know you're you know at four or five in the morning you're in a rehearsal room just jamming you know so it was such a, a vibrant scene and everybody was open to seeing where things were gonna go you know, there was there was so much creativity. It wasn't like this is my music. You know, this is what we do. You know, 
stay away from it. You know, this is this is mine. You do your thing. You know, it was it was a lot of collaborations. It was really cool. You've probably had a lot of projects put on hold over the last year and a half. Is there anything coming in the near term that you've been dying to get to that we'll um, see soon? Well, yeah, I've got, um, you know, I'm doing different, um, you know, free improvisational groups that uh, are with the cool thing in Chicago, there's a, and, and Europe and actually everywhere is that a lot of musicians, we, we get together and just form these spontaneous groups and play a show of just improvisers and, and it's really cool. So I have some of those coming up. Um, extraordinary popular delusions. Uh, hopefully we'll start doing our Monday residency again. That's with Jim Baker, Steve Hunt, Brian, excuse me, Brian Sandstrom, myself. Um, Liquid Soul, my uh, acid jazz, hip hop jazz funk band. I just released the record of that, a new record over during the pandemic. Um, and that's sort of like a retrospective release that, uh, of a lot of freestyle jams and stuff from our residencies at the double door and elbow room through the nineties and early two thousands. So I, I really like the record a lot. So we have some shows coming up. We have, um, let's see, we have one, the 24th of June in Wrigleyville here at a club called HVAC. We have, uh, one at Hainani in Arlington Heights. We have Space in Evanston. And then we're opening for George Clinton in September, September 5th at a uh, festival in, in Evanston. Um, I have uh, Psychedelic Furs going on tour. Um, you know, I mean, we had to put so many of the tours on hold. We had a, a really, you know, we had a new record that came out. Uh, there was a lot of... Uh, the touring booked. I was booked like it was going to be my most busiest year, I think, in a while. And I was booked all the way to January and that all got canceled. But now we're starting again. That starts um, in September. And, um, and we're booked pretty much till November 22nd or something like that from, uh, I think our first gig is September. September 13th. So, so we've got some work there and that'll be interesting because we've got, we're, we're going to learn all the new stuff from the, from the last record, which is going to be a challenge for us anyway, mm -hmm. to try and um, redo that. But um, yeah, I think uh, I'll probably do um, another tour with Vandemark with uh, my Chindali group of the duos that we do. And um, my Christmas, I love Christmas. You know, we were only able to do two shows this year and they were all streamed live from Constellation. And usually I do, oh God, maybe 13 shows at least, 13 to 17 shows where I go to different cities um, in Europe and Spain, Europe, Poland, uh, um, and throughout the states, and use local musicians in each city. Mm -hmm. So, I've got four albums of that, and I'm trying to figure out how to do this next one if I'm going to do it this year or not. But uh, we're talking about I'm going to get together with the Chicago group, 
that's the longest running of the, um, which is the Witches and Devils group for the Isle of Christmas. And we're going to do, go in the studio and I think record a couple new medley ideas that I have and see how that works out because we've never done a studio recording. So we'll see. In your whole career, has there ever been anything that you've really wanted to do that just hasn't been possible for one reason or another? Because you've done everything from my perspective. What's left? Um, hmm. I don't know. I think that that's, that's the beauty of it is not knowing, I think. It's, it's the excitement of it that I know that there's something there. And it's the, um, it's really about the search for me. You know, I'm always searching. And I think that also goes along with the, to, as part of the answer to the question you asked of why I'm doing all this stuff and how I'm able to do this. And it's actually, it's, it's the search. It's like going to these, trying these different things and then sometimes putting them all together, you know, and seeing how they work and where it's going to go not knowing and not knowing keeps it open to something new. And that's exciting to me because newness and something that I've never done is, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Well, Mars Williams, it's been a great pleasure having you on the show today. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much for making the time and looking forward to seeing you out there coming soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that too. Yeah, yeah. Madison, I love I love playing Madison. It's great. Yeah, we love to have you. So good. Come back anytime. All right. <laughs> That's it for another episode of the Showbiz Roundup. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Bluestem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org, and you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletickbuzz.com. Catch you later.